Welcome to the Endurance Horse Podcast, where endurance riders from all across the globe gather, sharing their stories, goals, and progress as they train for and compete in endurance events at every level. So kick off your shoes, pull up a chair, and listen as we gather around the virtual campfire and listen to friends from across the world. Hello, and welcome to the Endurance Horse Podcast. I'm Christina Hike, equine photographer living in southern Wisconsin. Episode 8 of the Endurance Horse Podcast is being published and the first week of August 2018. Well, I have been promising you all a, an all Tevis episode. This one is not quite there yet. We are waiting another week or two to be sure we have gathered all the audios, and then I will create the podcast. The good news is I think I'm going to have enough audios for two Tevis-related, dedicated, all-for-your-enjoyment podcasts. Meanwhile... We will be starting out this episode with a Tevis rider, Erin Glassman. Erin was kind enough to send in audios about her journey to and prep for the Tevis. I think there's a lot of interesting and valuable information in just the little details that she has sent in, and I hope you enjoy listening. The first audio you will hear on this episode will be from Erin, and there will be one more about her journey towards the end of the podcast. Stick around to the end, and I'm going to share some updates from my life as well. To all the riders who took the time to record and send in, thank you so much, because without you, there just simply is no podcast. So without further ado, I am happy to bring to you Episode 8 of the Endurance Horse Podcast. We just rolled into Auburn about 2 o'clock this afternoon, just slightly before actually. This is Erin Glassman. We got Rio settled in after a little bit. Let her walk around in the campground on the north side of the fairgrounds. And as she was doing that, Steve and I went down and put her hay bags and some buckets of water in place. She has a nice shady stall with a good breeze blowing through it, which is very nice to have. She seems to be settling in well. We got to start out on our trip out to California on Saturday afternoon. I personally had to wait until a little after four before we could head out just because my oldest daughter was having her first piano recital and I definitely could not miss that. We were a little vague about our travel plans on Saturday because we weren't really sure how far we were wanting to go. We decided to kind of push a little farther than we originally had anticipated. Um, The plan earlier was to go four hours, and we ended up going about eight hours and getting to just north of Denver, where we overnighted in a parking lot, essentially. That was okay. I would have liked to have had a stall for her a little bit nicer place, but she settled in okay and she seemed to be okay with all of that and we did get her out and walk her around some extra after we got on the road later that day she did drink nicely um, when we were rolling on forward we stopped and we let her try to get a drink she wasn't super interested in drinking but I try to give her a really really soaked beet pulp mash so that usually helps kind of keep at least a little bit of fluid in her hind belly when she's when she's traveling. She did seem to eat okay along the way. She was eating her hay really well. And at the next stop along the way, after we took off Sunday morning, she had eaten quite well. She was peeing and pooping um, really nicely. Um, I was watching when we did get her out throughout the day on Sunday what kind of quality her, her poop had um, in terms of hydration in it. So um, I try to watch for those kind of things while we're traveling. Um, the weather was cooler, so I didn't really electrolyte her very heavily on the way out. Sometimes if we're going through hotter weather when I trailer, I will put electrolytes in her feed in the morning and then give her her beet pulp with some electrolytes in it. So if she decides she wants to eat some of that, she can. This time I didn't put any electrolytes during the day on Sunday uh, just because the weather was quite a bit cooler than what we've been used to uh, in terms of Usually we have about 100 degree weather in Kansas and it was in the 80s and nice and cool and overcast for most of the trip on Sunday. 
Sunday we traveled about 12 hours and we made it to Wells, Nevada. It's a cute little town. There's a little horse hotel there that we stopped at. She had a nice stall, had a nice green yard. I will post the name of it if I can find that. Um, it's more of a private barn that they rent out stalls and we found it on horsemotels.com. She enjoyed the time there, I think. She looked great. She was moving out nice. We didn't really do a lot of exercise or anything at this point in the game. She needs to still be resting, I think. Um, I don't push her very hard, especially right up next to a big event like this. We uh, went and ate at a nice restaurant locally in Wells, had a nice supper there, got to relax ourselves, and it was about... 9 o'clock home time, maybe 9.30 home time, uh, 7.30 there. We went to lay down, and it did not take me much time to sleep at all. The first night I was pretty wired and nervous about Rio, and I really didn't sleep very well. We got on the road this morning close to 7 from Wells after having breakfast there in town. We went ahead and let Rio eat while she was on the ground in her stall so that that way she wouldn't have the stress of that. Um, she ate really well. Uh, we went ahead and loaded about a little before seven and got on the road. It took us about uh, a little over six and a half hours to make it to Auburn. We had a couple of stops along the way. I didn't get her out this time since it was only a six hour trip. Um, generally, if I go more like eight hours, I try to get a horse out and exercise, but I don't get them out if the situation's not right in terms of safety. If it's uh, not a big area where I feel like I can get her out safety, safely, I won't. Um, I won't get her in, out and walk. Um, if there's a whole lot of traffic, um, I try to find a spot that's big and wide um, and she loads well enough, I feel pretty good about getting her out. If I had a horse that wasn't a good loader, I probably wouldn't mess with it and just let them stop along the way to get like some time where they're not having to adjust to the sway of the trailer. We pulled up about a little before two, like I said before. We just got settled right now. I've got my crew up at the motel um, where I have them staying and we all are getting our showers in after being on the road and it feels heavenly. Um, it feels so nice to be clean. I do think we take our showers for granted until we get on the road. Let's see, we're getting ready to go visit some friends, and I will check, again, check in again at a later point in time. I'll try to think of some things that people might have questions about. Um, I'm also going to talk to Christina about possibly having some other questions that she wants me to discuss in terms of my own training. Um, my way is not everybody's way. I suppose it's good for people to hear different uh, perspectives and different methods of training and conditioning and just overall preparation for an event this big just because it's nice to hear um, a range of different experiences and you know I my method of of learning from people is that I get a whole bunch of different information and I pick and choose what's best for me and what works for my horse and I think that's that's the only right way until next time. Hi again, it's Jane Moss from Atlanta, the Irish lady who is hoping to get to WEG in September for the Irish team. Very exciting in the last few weeks. All the paperwork has come in from our federation, which is Horse Sport Ireland, and things are really cranking up now. We have a team vet from Spain. We have four riders qualified. Two of our riders wanted to make us sweat a little bit and didn't get their COCs, which is Certificate of Competence, which is basically doing 100 miles or 160 kilometers under a certain time averaging at 14.1 kilometers an hour. So it's a fairly fast clip to get your COC in and the horse and almost qualified rider do it together to complete the qualification process. So our two last riders got theirs on Spanish horses 
in the last month or so. So it's kind of gone down to the wire, period. So there are four of us now. Three of us rode in the test event, and you heard from my previous previous podcast that it had its ups and downs, but on the positive side, I know so much more than I did when we started this whole process. How to manage myself, my horse, all the crazy, crazy environment, and everybody reacts differently to it. Some people completely love it and are barn rats for the whole 24-7, seven days of it. I, on the other hand, need to get away, make sure my horse is in good hands. I found a little artist colony. I did a little antiquing and thrifting, found some great food up in the North Carolina mountains. We have organized a lake house for myself, my family and my crew. My siblings are all coming from Ireland, which is extremely exciting. I'm very proud of that. To be honest with you, I'm more honored about the opening ceremony. As I hear, Ireland has 16 riders. We have obviously the endurance team four on that and then four on the show jumping four on the eventing and I'm not sure how many dressage riders we have we may even have four too so there are going to be a ton of riders out there wearing the tricolor and that's exciting and just to represent for your country was never a dream of mine it was never a reality of any kind So for this all to happen at this stage in my life, I just turned 50, is simply amazing to me. We have been training hard, trying to get out in the middle of the day. Yesterday we did a training ride and it was 90 degrees, which is 32 degrees Celsius. And there was a 90% humidity and my personal heat index says that is a scorcher but it's very good training and heat tolerance and conditioning for my way horse who is officially streak of fire but his stable name is baz and that's actually short for basil faulty and if any of you are familiar with faulty towers you'll know that basil faulty was this high energy insanely inappropriate funny character played by John Cleese a very very talented British comedian and that exactly sums up Baz when I got him first we called him Baz the Spaz but now we've actually changed all of that and rewritten history and he's now called Razmataz Baz he's an interesting guy He's an amazing ride. I mean, I love, love riding him. Of all my horses, he is the smoothest, smartest, makes time when he can. I give him his head more than any of the others because he knows exactly when to make time. He wants to track on course and pick other horses off. And if we have the ability and it's safe, I'll, I'll give him his head. You have to, have to, have to pace him in the first loop as twice now ever, but once in the test event, he tied up because I didn't pace him properly. Anyway, it's all going ahead gangbusters and I have a lot of people to thank. All my training buddies, as somebody said in a recent podcast, it's all therapy. All of that time on horseback is incredible it's you know chicken soup for the soul for me anyway i will keep you posted we are almost done with the conditioning and we're going to turn him out for two or three weeks and give him a break before the big dance but i will keep you posted and i'll certainly do another podcast after wag and let you all know as this is as strange to me as it is to you guys listening it is the most bizarre thing that's ever happened to me in a wonderful way but I'm scared and excited 
and I'm totally way in over my head here. Anyway, stay tuned and I'm enjoying all the podcasts I've listened to so far. So keep up the good work, guys. Thanks a lot. Bye. Hi, everyone. This is Boots from the Midwest. Our season is finally rolling the way it should. Um, Partner and I have been having a blast on some of the rides, although there have been a few that have been kind of wet and wild. Nevertheless, we're out there and we're having a good time. Hope you are too. Today, I thought I would talk about goals that Partner and I have because we reached a milestone. Um, When I started riding, distance. Um, The goal was merely to survive because as most of us know, that horse that's calm and cool and collected at home gets to a ride and the energy is so different, they turn into a fire-breathing dragon. Luckily, partner, the quarter horse, is a pretty mild-tempered boy. So after trying to decide who was going to control the pace, after a couple of miles, he figured out that we were in it for the long haul. So he calm down and listen. But survival was the first goal. Our second goal was to learn everything that we could about how to actually do this sport the right way, (laughs) meaning taking care of my horse, taking care of myself, making sure that we were following the rules, trail etiquette, all of those kinds of things. And luckily along the way, I have a lot of great mentors, people that I've watched people that I've talked to and who are more than willing to share their expertise and help us learn the sport of distance riding. The the next goal was to actually become an endurance rider with an endurance horse. And that meant 50 miles. Um, I was lucky enough to ride my first 50 with a good friend, Jill Feller, who had been in the sport for a long time and knew what she was doing. And I was, I was truly blessed because I got to ride it up in Spooner, Wisconsin, which is very close to a place where I grew up as a child. And I would pretend to gallop my horse down the dirt roads. Well, I got to do my first 50 up in the North Woods, and it sure meant a lot to me. Partner and I finished. We had a great time. I think we even took fifth place, if I'm not mistaken. So... Boy, felt really good, ran around camp. I'm an endurance rider, and my horse is an endurance horse. Well, after you do 150, you might as well do 250s. So my second 50 was ridden up in Keweenaw with Jocelyn Seafelt. And if anybody's ever ridden with Jazz, you know it's kind of a blast. Um, We yacked and talked and laughed and really had a good time until we realized we were three miles off trail and had to go back. This was early in the ride, so yeah, we wound up doing 56 miles that day, but uh, nevertheless, came in, finished. Partner was good. He was a little confused by having to go out on trail more times than just twice, but uh, he did well. People at ride camp stood up and gave us an ovation when we came in, but I wasn't sure if that was because they finally got to eat or if they were truly happy to see us. (laughs) Anyway, so we had done 250s that year. And if you do 250s, well, then you might as well do a couple of LDs to go along with all your comps and give a shot at versatility. We did, and lo and behold, partner was the reserve champ versatility horse that year. I was so proud of him. Uh, to this day, that is probably my most cherished award. Um, it's a beautiful clock. It sits on the mantle. And I'm just so proud every time I look at it. So there, I had an endurance horse. Now what? Well, next goal was to get a jacket. Partner had managed to um, acquire enough points to get me a jacket in competitive trail in 2013, or 2012. So I was really proud that I was part of the group now. But now we were riding LD. So the goal was to just ride and ride and ride. We are not fast, we are never first, Um, we are often last, Um, and every once in a while we get a ribbon. Probably means somebody got lost on trail, but every once in a while we'd get a ribbon and a couple extra points. But five points at a time, that boy managed to get into the top ten 
in limited distance in Umecra. And uh, then I had a jacket that announced that award. I was very proud of him for that. Next goal, granddaughter. Let's ride with the kid. Uh, that scares me to death because I want to keep her safe. She's got a great little endurance horse. Cheyenne goes and goes and goes, has done 100 miles, knows his job. And Maddie, she holds on tight and away she goes, giggling all the way. Grandma doesn't quite go fast enough for her. But last year, we rode together. She managed to acquire over 400 miles. And the little stinker, as I said in my first podcast, wound up being AERC's limited distance junior champion for mileage. Very proud of her. And along with that, partner rode those miles and managed to be the Midwest limited distance mileage horse last year. <laughs> it was awesome. So I started looking around for the next goal and I started checking our mileage. Again, we're not ever going to be the fastest, but longevity is something that I'm shooting for with him. As long as we stay healthy and can keep enjoying the trail, I'd like to do this sport as long as we can. Lo and behold, um, AERC put out on Facebook some breed standings, um, top mileage horses in endurance and LD in the different breed categories. So I checked out quarter horse and there he was, number one. Uh, he had 1,915 miles. There's an indigo horse out there who's 100 miles behind him, so we need to keep moving if we want to stay number one. But the goal was to get to 2,000 miles. And this year, it took forever. We missed a couple rides in the beginning due to some thrush issues, but once we got that cleared up, we put the pedal to the metal. And at Pine Martin Run, we managed to hit 2,020 miles. So proud of all the miles that Partner has done, and this was just special. Just plain special. So, what's the new goal? Well, again, miles and longevity. And I know that 3,000 miles is out there somewhere. So, we're going to take it a mile at a time, and I hope your goals are set, and I hope you achieve all of them. I'm Karen Chatton. I'm from Garnerville, Nevada. And where we are right now experiencing a great deal of smoke from all these awful fires that are in California right now, unfortunately. It's settled in really bad today to where it's burning lungs and hard to breathe. And you cannot see any of the mountains around me right now. So we were fortunate to have just gotten back from the Tevis Cup last weekend, where the smoke wasn't quite this bad yet, but it seems like it's getting worse every day, unfortunately. Uh, let's see here. My horses are both Arabians. The My first horse is named Granite Chief. He is a flea bitten gray, 15 hands, maybe a little more. Uh, 23 years old. He's still completing in 50s. I've had him since he was five. He's been doing endurance for 17 years. He's quite the character. I've ridden him over 15,000 miles in the sport, and uh, he's still quite the horse. Very forward, very strong-willed. Um, you know, he still has his moments where he likes to decelerate quickly. He's kind of quite the character in, in that regard. Uh, but you put him in a parade, he doesn't spook at a single thing. And then my other horse, Pro Bono, which we call him Bo, he's the real character. He's always taking the lids off of the feed bins and moving stall mats and water troughs and taking rain gutters off of the barn. Uh, he's just quite the character. He's a pretty cool horse, too. He just passed 10,000 miles and does well with junior riders. Um, I've had junior riders riding him last season and this season. And he's just a great big sweetheart. Really, really fun horse. He also got through colic surgery about four years ago and has completed a couple thousand miles since then. So I, I guess that's probably the most unique thing about him. Let's see, how did I get into horses? I grew up with a little pony that I had named Patches and then got out of horses until I was into my late 20s. 
and saw an ad for a $500 Arab and my father-in-law said, hey, maybe you should go look. And much to my husband's dismay, I went and I bought Dreamweaver and brought him home, learned about endurance riding, and the rest is history. He, I took him camping on, up at Roby Park on the Tevis Trail, and I was forever hooked. I decided then and there that I wanted to do Tevis no matter what. It took me three or four more years to get there, and that was over 20 years ago, and I've now just finished my eighth Tevis, and I just love going down the trail with my horses. It's a ton of fun. Uh, as far as goals, I think actually the biggest goal I was just shooting for, I just reached this past weekend, which was to get Bo over his 10,000 miles, which um, I'm really proud of getting to that milestone. And now I'm going to have to come up with some new ones, I guess. And so that's me. Bye. This is Courtney Kruger. I was recently at Orkney Springs, Virginia, same weekend as the Tevis Cup for the Old Dominion uh, Ride and Tie weekend, and I asked a number of folks some of their experiences with Ride and Tie. Some of them are competitors, and some of them are crew, and there's even a song kind of there in the middle that I thought you all might enjoy. My name is Greg Bradner. I've been doing Ride and Tie for seven years, and I'll tell you the story about the first time I took my daughter, Megan Wilson, out on a Ride and Tie. It was at this event four years ago, took my daughter... She was all pumped, ready to go. We'd taken her out on training rides. The trail here at the OD Ride and Tie in July is a tough technical trail, and the first one she did was at night. We did the 25-miler that night, and in the middle of the ride, we encountered a thunder and lightning storm that lit up the ridge line. So her inauguration into Ride and Tie was first time out on trail, first time in the, in the, in the dark, first time in weather, and she finished and came back and did more. This is Dave Venable. I've been doing ride and tie for about 10 years. And my first race is out here at the OD in Virginia in July. We were riding a, a quarter horse, gruel color. And about three miles in, uh, I saw a horse tied up and I got on the horse and I thought, wow, it was my first ride of the day. And I thought, wow, my wife changed the saddle and she changed the stirrups. And it's got a, you know different reins on it and everything. So I rode off. I thought this isn't this doesn't seem right, but okay. And uh, I got about a quarter mile down the trail, and I looked, and it had a name tag on its halter. I thought, well, our horse doesn't have a name tag. And I looked at the horse. I said, this Bay Arabian is not our quarter horse. So I had to take him back, put him where he was, and uh, I don't think they were very happy with me. <laughs> All right. One of the best finishes I ever saw was at the OD Ride and Tie in July, and we had Liara Gonzalez and Barb Matthews coming in at breakneck speed with their horse, and right behind them was Rick Coop and his partner, whose name I do not remember, and they made it in. Barb and Liara made it in. It was about one minute before Rick and his partner. It was a wonderful finish, after which Liara jumped into one of the troughs and cooled off because it was a mighty hot day. This is Christy Bradner. So this is Courtney Kruger, and I made up a song today on the trail as I was running along trying to keep myself motivated. So here it is. You've got to know when to hold them, know when to tie them, know when to walk away, and know when to run. You never count your mileage. While you're sitting in the saddle, there'll be time enough for counting when the race is won. <laughs> This is Greg Bradner. On one of my early races, I was riding Rhonda Venable's horse, Tanner. We got to a portion of the course where it was real easy to get lost, and I absolutely made the wrong turn. As I made the wrong turn, I also made the decision to tie up the horse. I tied him up, went on down the wrong part of the trail, and I thought everything was just fine until I felt a bump on my shoulder. I turned around, and there's the horse I was riding with no bridle, no halter, no nothing. He had taken the bridle off, got the halter off, and ran after me to find me, bumped me on the shoulder to say, hey, Greg, I'm still here. The problem was I had nothing to tie him off with. Thankfully, Barb Matthews came up from behind. She had used her lead to rope him around the neck, walked him back, and he had absolutely shrugged the bridle off over his head and was lying on the ground where I left him. Hi, my name is Janice Halter Bridle, and I've been doing ride and tie for, it's, it's I guess, about 23 years. 
and I have over 40, uh, 4,400 miles. Um, my first ride and tie, it's as I did, my mom and aunt were actually out on the course, so they actually had water and Gatorade so that, um, to give the riders and the runners out there. And so, of course, that was a good experience, other than that my sister had uh, had me starting off riding, and um, <clears throat> Lani Newcomb had asked me if uh, my sister was upset with me, and I asked why, and she says, well, because she had used that horse the week before and got bucked off, and um, so she figured my sister must be mad at me. Um, so anyway, my sister Jean had told me to go ahead and ride the horse for about a mile and tie it up, so I did. And then for the next eight miles, I kept asking people as they went past me, have you seen my sister? Well, we're identical twins. And so they're just kind of, they knew her. They didn't know me. They just thought we were the same person. Um, so I came back because um, we were doing loops. The horse was still tied where I had tied it. So my first ride and tie, I didn't know any better. I went ahead and I took the horse, and I rode him for about another mile, and I tied him again. So that meant that Jean now had to come, finish the um, first loop, start on the second loop two miles, and then get the horse. And so basically by the time that, um, well, she didn't catch up with me, I'm now out on my third loop, the last loop, and I come by my mom and aunt, and they're going like, hey, the horse hasn't done all its loops. And I said, well, tell Jean that she can take it because I'm done, I'm going in. <laughs> so I went in and I'm looking at all the rigs and stuff because this is all new to me. And all of a sudden it says, I hear Jean yelling across the compound for me to get over there. And so I get over there and she goes, get on the horse. And so I get on the horse and she pushes me out off the horse and she gets on and then she says, get on the horse. And so we do this about six times. And then she finally finishes riding the horse across the finish line. And then she explains to me that, because I didn't know the rules, that if we hadn't exchanged it at least six times, we would be disqualified. Um, but then what was even better was my next ride and tie because my first one, of course, I wasn't carrying any water or anything with me. So I figured, Hey, there's going to be people out. There's going to be water on the course and everything. Um, so I come in, I'm really hot and thirsty when I come into the vet check. And so I hadn't sent anything out there for me. I see the horse's bucket. So I start drinking out of the horse's bucket. The next time I come into the vet check, before I could even get to the horse's bucket, somebody was already shoving a uh, um, bottle of Gatorade in my hand for me to drink. I don't think they wanted me to see me drinking out of the horse's bucket anymore. So, but that's that's it. That's a, a couple of my stories. I have quite a few over the years, but um, I really enjoy ride and tie, and uh, it's, I hope to continue doing it for a number more years. Hello, my name is Bob Heldebridle. I'm Janice's husband. Um, we were out doing the Swanton Pacific 100. I was crewing for Janice, and we had made arrangements prior to going out to get married at the end of the race. So they finished the race sometime about 2 in the morning. We went back to the hotel, caught a little sleep, and then went back to the race camp about 8.30, 9 o'clock, and they were having the awards in the front of the race camp, and the Justice of the Peace showed up, and we had our wedding in the back of the race camp while they were doing the awards we were getting married, and I figured after 100 miles, I could catch her. <laughs> I'm Lonnie Newcomb. We've been doing Ride and Tie since 1983. Yay! And, <laughs> and, and um, we used to go out and do the Swanton Pacific. They had a 100-mile Ride and Tie, um, which is the Swanton Pacific 100 was one of the oldest endurance rides around. And uh, the first time my partner, Kathy, and I did it, we borrowed... Becky Hart had the most amazing horse that's ever been hatched on the, in the world, named Rio, R.O. Grand Sultan. And when he retired, when he was 21, she let us use him for 100-mile riding ties for two years. And he was a lot of fun. He was really fun. But so we're down in the, in the dark, and we're out. It's 1030 at night, and there's nowhere around. We haven't passed any cars, any lights, any people. And he's just having a good time. He's swinging along, and I tie the horse, and it's in the dark, and I run off in about... Five minutes later, Kathy comes galloping up and just absolutely petrified. She says, we're not ever splitting up again. We're staying together. We're staying together. Because she had come running down the trail, untied the horse, put her foot in the stirrup, and behind her, a man says, how you doing? 
she she leaped on the horse and bolted out of there. We probably stayed together for two or three hours. She was like, "We're just we're just gonna run right next to each other. We're just, we're just we never knew where he came from and what he was doing. How you doing?" So my name is Mark Landers, and I've been doing ride and tie for about five years. And my sister and brother-in-law introduced me to the sport. And I love it for a few reasons. One is because I get it to do it with family. It's my sister's horses. My partner is usually my brother-in-law, Courtney Kruger. And, uh, and it is a blast being with them. But also the overall culture that we experience when we're doing ride and tie is part of the reason I love it. It's just a laid back, everybody kind of for each other. And uh, that's a lot of fun. So I, I enjoy the physicality of it and I enjoy being with a large animal. I love animals. And one of my joyful memories on one of the early, um, I guess a late fall ride actually, that we were doing a race when there was a number of teams and we were passing each other back and forth. Whenever the horses would pass and you were running, you could see them blowing the mist out of their nostril. Their breath was creating just smoke. And so they looked like mighty mythology, mythological horses because of all the smoke and it would just leave a trail behind them. And so that's just, there's a lot to love about it. Hey everybody, it's Keisha Wood again, and I'm um, sitting with Susan Smythe, who is on the board of directors for the Ride and Tie. And she also puts on a awesome ride here in cool California. And she's gonna let us know about that event for anybody that may be local or wishes to come to this coolest Ride and Tie Equathon and Fun Ride that's put on October 6th this year. So I'm handing it over to Susan. Hi, thank you for having me today. I'm going to talk about the coolest ride and tie and equathon. First of all, let me tell you what ride and tie is. Ride and tie is a combination of two people and one horse, and you switch off on the horses. Um, you can switch off by handing the horse over to the other person, or you can tie the horse and uh, do Pony Express style doing a leapfrog. Equathon involves one person rides the horse. When that horse completes the course, then one person will run. What's really special about the Clueless Ride Tie is it's not only um, a fun, exciting ride to come to, but it's also a fundraiser uh, for the community. So in the past, we have donated money to the Western States Trail, to needy families, uh, to fire victims in California in 2017. And uh, this year, we are going to be donating money to Dubarner Park to enhance the park with more horse trails so we can all enjoy it. So the Cool Ride Tie um, is located in Cool, California. Um, it's a great spot um, as we're in the staging area that's behind the little town of Cool, which is basically a few buildings, restaurants, bars, grocery stores, a gas station, and uh, a cool feed store and a cool coffee shop. So everything's pretty cool in cool California, especially in October when our ride is. This year our ride is October 6th and um, we do allow people to stay overnight on Friday night. If you're coming from out of town, you need to contact me as we have a slumber party at my house for those who travel from afar. And so it's not just a, a cool ride and tie, um, but it's also a party event. Susan, can you tell us how they can get a hold of you and how they can sign up for this ride and tie if they're interested? So the best way to get a hold of me is to go to www.rideandtie.org or you can um, PM me on Facebook Messenger, go to the Coolest Ride and Tie Facebook site, or email me at susansmythjackson at gmail.com. So it's S-U-S-A-N-S-M-Y-T-H-J-A-C-K-S-O-N at gmail.com. Um, we do have several events. We have a long course ride and tie and a short course ride and tie. We have an Equathon long course, which this year will be a 13-mile ride and 8-mile run, um, along with a short course Equathon. So again, all this money that is raised from this event um, is a give back to our community, give back to our horse community. It's a lot of fun. Um, 
and great prizes. We have a raffle. We have amazing sponsors like Echo Valley Ranch Supply, uh, Riding Warehouse, um, GU, Ripwear Skirts, um, and many, many more. So um, we'd love to have you come out, have a lot of fun, and uh, get some riding and running in and do the two things that we all love most. Right. And I have a question too. Um, can you tell us about the cost and what if someone like me, I have to fly in or, and I don't have a horse to uh, bring with me or, and I'm a runner or if I'm a runner and I don't own a horse, what kind of, how do you work that out? Can you partner people? Um, what do you do in those type of situations? Well, um, if you get a hold of me, I try to connect people up. Um, you know, if someone has a horse and they're looking for a runner, I try to find a runner. Um, if someone is, uh, uh, if you go to my Coolest Ride and Tie Facebook page and you put down that you need a partner, that's a good way to uh, find someone as well. Um, if you are have never been a Ride and Tie member, we have a special this year. We have a amazing donor who donated memberships to all brand new Ride and Tie members this year. Um, but our Ride and Tie uh, entry fees, I try to keep low and uh, make up everything with the raffle. So this is all about fun, all about community. Um, and it's just a great event. I can't even say enough about it. Everybody who goes has a great time, and I hope to see you there. Okay. Well, thank you so much, Susan. And I can tell you from my own experience, I never did a ride and tie before in my life. And I did. I signed up and did the one last month, and it was Susan who was the one who got me to come up and do that. And um, as you know, I flew in from New Mexico up here to California to do that. She partnered me with Rita Pritchard, who was in Texas, never met Rita. It worked out perfectly. We And Rita brought her horse up here. But there's lots of people in California who are looking for partners as well. And um, the prices are great. And whenever you're splitting it, because you're a team, it even makes it better. And the, um, the awards are good. The people are good. The vets are good. I just cannot tell you. I had the best experience up here in California. And I know personally a ride that Susan Smythe puts on is going to be fantastic. Keisha, thank you for having me. And one more thing I want to say. A lot of people say, oh, I don't know about tying my horse to a tree, but you would be surprised how much fun these horses have been a part of the team and it certainly will make them into the best well-mannered horse and patient as they wait for you and trade off with your partner and they feel like they're part of a team. Yes, and that's true. And that's one of the things that I had never experienced before. I got to see that on my own and I couldn't believe it. And one of, I was kind of bummed because we don't have ride and tie events in our area. And I didn't, that's why I didn't know anything about it. And that's why I had to come all the way out here in California because there is nothing in our area. And that's the same uh, for Miss Pritchard, who was my partner. She did not have any uh, ride and tie event to go to, but those who are interested in running and also doing things with your horse, this is so awesome. So any of you that are interested in possibly doing a ride and tie in your area, um, Susan is a great person to reach out to. Um, I also want to add that if you do want to do a ride and tie in your area, a ride and tie association has a startup um, assistance with finances to help you through. We have a manual to help you set up your own ride and tie, and I I love it. It's fun, but you know I love running, I love riding, but it's fun. Okay, and um, another thing that I wanted to mention too is when you go to the ride and ties, it's very similar to going to a run. You get um, bags, like race bags, and that's super fun because I've been to a couple endurance events and um, riding events, and you don't get as much stuff. And I just, I really, really think it's a neat program, and um, I'm learning as much as I can because maybe I'll be able to put something together for us in the Southwest in the future. But um, I'm so glad Susan came on today because I 
I think this is a great sport. Um, I would totally encourage everybody to get involved in um, do this, come out here, find one, go to it. It's, uh, it's a great thing. Thank you all. Well, I just want to kind of talk about the week ahead of the ride. Um, so we had made it to Auburn on Monday and got settled in, got the trailer unhooked and Rio into her stall. Tuesday, I drove my crew to Robinson Flat and Forest Hill so that they could get a glimpse of what the vet checks looked like. Um, my crew that were there at that point were just Steve and Monica. Um, I knew that some of my other crew had already been to Tevis before and so they kind of had a little bit of familiarity with the layout of the vet checks. Um, I had sent them emails earlier outlining a little bit of my crewing procedures um, which that's all pretty simple and I'll kind of talk about that as I talk about the ride. So we ate lunch in Auburn. Um, Monica and Steve and I did and then um, we kind of just relaxed. Uh, Steve and Monica went back to the hotel to relax a little bit. I had a, um, I had a dinner to go to on Tuesday night. And so I did that and kind of met a few people and and just kind of hung out on Wednesday, um, morning, Monica and I, I rode and Monica hiked out to no hands bridge, which is about four miles from the finish line, which is where we were camped. Uh, partway through, I had Monica go ahead and ride Rio because I thought it would be cool for her to get to ride on the actual trail. Uh, she really wants to come out and do the ride, and so I thought that might be kind of something special for her, and she got to do that, and it was a lot of fun uh, seeing Rio being ridden on the trail itself. Um, we got out to the bridge, and we met Steve down there, and originally, uh, Monica was going to ride back with Steve, but then uh, she decided she wanted to hike it back, so um, she did, and I ha- went ahead and rode on um, back into camp because I had some things to do, but then I ran late and didn't end up doing those things, so I should have just walked back with her. <laughs> so um, about midday, uh, my one of my other crewmates, Todd Hezo, got into town, and he picked up my friend Laura from the airport, and so they drove in, and we all had lunch at the brewery there in Auburn, and that was great food and, and a lot of fun catching up. Later on in the afternoon on Wednesday, we went ahead, and Todd glued on my boots. I had Todd come out because he's a professional barefoot um, trimmer, and he does a lot of glue-ons anyways. Earlier in the season, I had attempted to glue my own on, and failed miserably and so I decided to ask Todd to come out um, because I felt like it would be nice to not have to worry about uh, my my gluing procedure and let him just do his rock star thing so anyway so he got those on um, we let them set up and fed Rio um, after we were done, we went over to the barbecue, and I don't think any of us were hungry because it was so hot that day, so we just kind of hung out and talked to people, and uh, we got to meet Gordy Ainsley, who is the founder of the 100-mile run, and talked to him for a long time, and that was just really cool. He's just such a neat person, and I think, um, I know Todd and I ended up becoming Facebook friends with him, and he's just a super nice fella. Uh, his wife was really cool. Um, it was it was very neat to visit with him. I also got to visit with uh, a man that I had met last year, uh, Lynn Seeley. He has been um, a writer in the past and gave me some pretty valuable advice last year, including take it slow through the rocks up front. Uh, don't rush through any of that because that's where a lot of the pulls occur is up front due to lameness where people aren't letting their horses pay attention to where their feet are and that kind of thing. So um, it was fun catching up with him and I reminded him of some of the stories that he had told us last year which were really interesting and he was kind of I think amazed that I remembered that story. (laughs) So that was Wednesday. Thursday morning we tested out the boots so Monica hiked out again with me and I went and um, did some trotting did a little loping down the trail 
um, just to make sure that the boots were going to stay and everything looked pretty good. Um, and so we didn't go out for a long period of time because we were going to haul out later that day and I you know, wasn't wanting to put a ton of miles on her uh, prior to the ride. I was lucky enough to have a lunch with uh, Dr. Jim Baldwin uh, from the Central Region. Jim is one of the vets and he was the oldest vet that we have out there and probably one of my favorite vets probably one of the ones um that are among the highest of of respect for me and uh his his wisdom and his um experience are just completely wonderful so I love hearing him talk anytime I get a chance so we had lunch there and then after that we went ahead and packed up and headed out to Roby Park we decided to head up to Roby on Thursday just so that Rio would have a chance to settle in and not have to be in the trailer in the morning prior to checking in with the vet. So that was kind of a good rationale. I had considered going up on Friday morning just because of the dust, but I, I liked the idea of her having a chance to rest overnight before the vet check a lot more than I worried about the dust. And so that's what we ended up choosing. Um, so Steve and I stayed at Roby. Um, Todd and, let's see, I think his friend uh, Bob, who joined us as crew, came out on Thursday afternoon as well. And we kind of just looked around, kind of got settled and, and just visited for the evening. And Thursday evening, Steve and I ended up going over and invading the Australians camp. Um, my friend Charlie Gaussi and his wife Leanne were there. And then our friends Brenda and Cindy and a couple other people were over um, visiting. And so we had a great chance to get to know them and, and, and talk. My friend Charlie is here from Australia um, and he was looking to get his first buckle. Um, he attempted last year for the first time and didn't get it. He ended up pulling it Robinson flat last year um, for metabolics and um, so I was really hopeful that this would be the year that he was able to achieve his goal. Friday rolled around we woke up fed Rio my paperwork check-in was at 10. I also went down and signed up for a photo package with my friend Dominique who I got to visit with as well on Thursday and then um, did a little shopping um, down at the vendors of course can't miss out on that um, and then the vet check-in started at noon and we went ahead and jumped in line pretty soon got down there and um before long she had a number on her on her flank and um it was official we were checked in after we checked in i went ahead and um saddled her up i i rode her down to the start line and so my crew hiked behind me uh, for a ways i kind of moved forward it was it was nice to hear everybody talking but it was kind of a moment that i wanted to take and and just spend with rio and i and um enjoy the nature and enjoy the slow time because i really wouldn't have a great chance to fully enjoy the the scenery on saturday i didn't think and so i was glad that i did it was just breathtaking looking out over the Sierras. It was a really sunny day. There was no smoke in the air just yet and we had just a wonderful time. When we came back, we kind of got settled back in. We had a few things to do that afternoon. I kind of rounded up the crew about two o'clock and kind of discussed the crewing procedure at that point in time and kind of what would what, what the flow of things would be and how things would happen and what we needed to watch for. They had the official ride crew briefing at 3.30, so they all went over there and, and got to listen to that. The ride briefing for everybody it's, uh, took place about 6.45. We'd had supper together, and my friend Karen had brought some chicken along, and um, we just had a nice little outdoor feast and, and enjoyed each other's company before going to the ride briefing. It was great. Got caught up with another couple people that I know over there, and uh, after that was all finished. We went to bed around 8. Uh, Kira stayed with us overnight. She and Steve were in charge of taking the trailer to Auburn after I left in the morning. My other crew, Kay, uh, she got here on Thursday night, but I didn't get to see her, her until Friday. Kay, Todd, Monica, and Bob were my crew that was meeting me at Robinson, Robinson Flat. Um, and so they stayed in Auburn overnight on Friday and then, uh, they were going to go as early as possible to the vet check, um, in the morning.
Hello, my name is Sandy Sickles, and I am a Midwest rider and a green bean, and I'm hoping to do my first endurance ride probably by the end of this year. I also have the very lofty goal of riding in Tevis in the next three or four years. Just to give you a little background, I'm 54 years old, and I've had horses and been riding my entire life. I learned about endurance about... Um, Oh, about the time I was in college, actually, I met a girl by the name of Michelle McDonald, and she and her mom rode endurance, and they invited me to condition with them that summer, and I absolutely loved it. It was great, and I thought, oh my God, this is it. Tevis is on my bucket list. I got to do endurance. But the following year, I graduated from college, started my real job, and got married, and then eventually kids came. And so those dreams ended up getting put on the back burner. It wasn't until about 10 years ago that um, I was in heart failure. And, you know, it's nothing like one of those life or death moments where you, where you start to reevaluate things. And I thought, you know, I really need to put this back into a priority. One, for my health to build back my strength and you know too because this has been a dream of mine so I did and um, I worked with my current 18 year old Arab gelding Charlie and he was instrumental in you know rehabbing me and building back my strength but Charlie doesn't like endurance that is not his cup of tea but that's okay I love him to death he's a great horse and four years ago, I ended up getting Will. And Will is my five-year-old Arab gelding, and he is my endurance prospect and my Tevis hopeful. Um, I like to joke that he's my dream pony. And he, you know, I got him as a yearling and started him right away with groundwork and desensitizing him and just laying a really solid foundation. And last year as a four-year-old, I sent him to get started under saddle. And he was off for about four months with my trainer. And he just did great. He exceeded my expectations. Um, he's got a great mind, a great work ethic. And really, he's a lot of fun to be around. I, I just enjoy being with him so much. And, you know, hopefully it, we're going to be doing um, at least one ride this year conditioning over the winter and then doing more rides next year to start slowly ramping things up because right now he is still a youngster he's still growing in fact he's butt high but um you know hopefully keeping it on a slow and steady pace will be the key for him i want to keep him real healthy anyways uh hopefully you guys are interested in hearing more about our journey and i want to thank you so much for listening and i want to wish you all very happy trails thank you so much bye-bye everyone this is Chris again so what did you think of episode 8 the birds are singing I sent the kids outside so I could record the outro for you I thought it had some pretty neat stories in it I loved all the details that Erin put in about her journey before the ride even started Jane we all wish you the best of luck good vibes on your journey to the World Equestrian Games and we're so glad that we have you sending in updates so that we can follow along. We enjoyed having you along for the ride. Endurance Horse Podcast is where you get to share your adventures of riding good horses through beautiful country. Many stresses in life are washed away by a good gallop, a steady trot, or by simply saddling up your favourite horse for an easy ride. Remember, every mile a memory. You know, I had to laugh when I decided to add this at the end, Victoria Clark, because you know, Marvel Endurance, I know you know about all of those movies. They always, you think it's over, and then they have a little bit more at the end. So this is kind of like one of those movies. There's just a little bit more left at the end for those of you who kept listening. Hi, I just thought I'd add something on the end here. Um, there is something after the podcast show. If you'd like, on iTunes, check it out. There are show notes. There should also be show notes on Podbean. And wherever you listen, some of the places do have show notes. And so what are show notes? Show notes kind of sum up what the podcast was about, but it also, in my show notes, I list writers like Karen Chatton and a, a link to her blog, which is so full of information. You guys should really check it out. I think you would love it. Also, Keisha's blog is in there. And... There's links to the ride and tie. 
There's a link to some of the things Carol Wagner talked about, which was Umacra, and they're the ones who gave her the cool jacket that she won. Um, AERC, American Quarter Horse Association link. The email for Susan Smythe Jackson, in case you were driving and you couldn't quite get that email and you wanted to contact her about the coolest ride and tie, I included that email for you. There's a link to the Facebook page for the coolest ride and tie. Um, Sandy Sickles mentioned green beans, so there's a link to green beans and durns. And um, for Jane Moss, I have a link to the World Equestrian Games and to the Irish page for their World Equestrian Games page. So check out the show notes. They're worth taking a peek at if you were curious about any of the links. And now I'm off to see what the kids are up to. I think they're in the yard looking for four-leaf clovers for me.